Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager here in the studios at SilverBirchRanch.org on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. And we've been talking with Matthew Schruck. He is the director of our Wolf River Refuge Ministry, which is another part of Silver Birch Ranch. And we invite you to go to their website. Where's, where's your website? WolfRiverRefuge.org. All right. One word, Wolf River Refuge. It sounds like three, but run them together like bad English. And, uh, and just put .org there, and you can go and see all the different things that are going on at the Wolf River Refuge that you're able to take advantage of. Now, we both believe in getting out in the uh, woods. We do. Yeah, and we talk about that a lot when we get together, the different things that we do. We've, we've enjoyed uh, outdoor cooking. We've enjoyed uh, trout fishing, fishing on the Wolf River, bass fish, whatever, whatever. Now, you grew up in the north part of Wisconsin here? Yeah, grew up in Rhinelander. So you're a hunter and a fisher and all that stuff from the time you were young? All the above, yep. How has how being out in the woods or nature or whatever you want to call it, how's that affected your thinking? Oh, man. Uh, too many ways to count, but, I mean, I, I, I find myself uh, always finding my mind outside, even when I'm inside. So, Okay. Um, it's interesting as it's got, as I've gotten older too, because I mean, I grew up going outside and hunting off obviously with you know my father or and my my grandparents, um, um, even even my grandmother for that matter. She's, yeah. she's still hunting to this day, um, but it's been interesting having that be um, a common denominator throughout basically my entire life. Um, it's just that now that I've really come into um, a lifestyle of faith in the Lord. Right. Uh, it's just the forest has taken a whole different color. Yeah. Um, but what a, you know, what a blessing to, uh, have that opportunity to, to, you know, that's how me and that's how me and my family really connected. You know what I mean? Right. And, and really you're talking about connecting with the family of God, even out there. Absolutely. You're talking about how God through creation speaks to your heart. Absolutely. And he does. All of his creation, by the way, points to him. Romans one twenty. Yeah. And you know, when I go down to a big city and I'm from Chicago, it's like we ruined it. We ruined what God did. We mm-hmm. built all these cement buildings. I know those that love the city are going, no, it's beautiful. It's, and I'm thinking, we're missing all this, the good stuff, though. It's a recreation of God's world. Yeah. Now, again, you can love it, and I'm not trying to make a case for you know the city being ugly or anything. I'm just saying... There's something about being out in the woods, in nature. Um, when I go hunting in the morning or in the evening, I'll sit there and watch the sunrise or the sunset and see the world come alive and go to sleep. It's absolutely amazing to be a part of that. Absolutely. Now, I used to take, years ago, I would take um, high school kids, and we would go out for a week on horses in the Nicolay National Forest, and we just live in the forest. Yeah. And I tell you, it was an amazing week. It was the best weeks of, uh, of my life uh, while I was camping. Now, people today just don't have the stomach for that for some reason. Um, I think it sounds real cool, but sitting on a horse after you haven't sat on a horse for a whole week, and it, it gets pretty sore. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little harder than you might think. Plus the whole, you know, sleeping on the ground thing. Sleeping on the ground thing and all that, a little bit different. But I'm telling you, there was so much stuff that happened in that week. And and here's the pattern that always happened. The first night, the high school kids, we'd get there, we'd ride all day. We usually ride about five hours a day, five, maybe six hours a day. Sure. So we get to our destination, 
And I get there and say, okay, this is where we're going to have supper. We're going to set up camp. And so everyone pitches in because we make them. And then they, kids come to us one at a time and they say things like, so what's next? I say, nothing. What do you mean nothing? Well, we're going to sit around this fire and talk. That's it. That's what we're doing. That's yeah. what's on the agenda. Yes. Now, this, mind you, was 30 years ago. Right. So 30 years ago, we were getting this response. And we are like, okay. And the first night, everyone went to bed right away. And I'm the only one sitting by the fire, me and the other leader who's over uh -huh. out there. Next night, what are you doing? No, we're going to sit and talk. Yeah, okay. Now a couple of them stay. By the third night, they're all out, and we can't get them quiet. And they're, they're beginning to understand the importance of sitting and talking around a fire. The stars up ahead, the, the sounds in the woods that you can't identify, the, the owls that are hooting in the background, the, the sound of the rapids in the background. Uh -huh. You know, all of a sudden, these things become just tremendous memories in their, their, their life, as well as God using them to begin to be relational both with him and with other people. Mm -hmm. And I've never seen it where you spend time out in the woods where you don't end up being awed by what God did out there. Absolutely. So um, I think we'd love to encourage those that are listening to uh, not just experience the outdoors by watching an outdoor channel. Yeah. <laughs> but actually go outdoors. I love outdoor videos, but uh, going out there and doing it yourself is uh, a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I was thinking while you were talking about our friend Joseph. Right. Um, and he does. He's done a lot of photography. Um, and that's one of the things that he did with his father um, to connect as he was growing up too. Is they would do uh, mostly wildlife photography. Okay. And uh, wildlife photography is uh, opportunistic, of course. Right. It's largely about candid shots. And uh, I had a nice conversation with Joseph um, just a week or two ago about his photography and how it's continued to change, especially at, especially as it's developing now that he's using uh, traditional film. And you got to plan your shots and do a whole bunch of things that digital photographers typically don't do to quite that level. Sure. Um, but one thing that Joseph uh, has a tendency of is he takes, he takes a lot of landscape photography, uh, landscape photos, um, and it, to a lot of people, seems um, as if it's lacking subject. Um, right. And I, I talked to him about this. I was like, I think it's fun because knowing you, like, I understand what you're doing. And what he's doing essentially is he's, he's treating landscape photography as if it's a candid shot. Uh, because it's not that it's lacking subject. It's just that the nature itself is the subject. Um, right. And so basically what I'm trying to relate there is you talking about going out in the woods and thinking, well, well, what are we doing next? What are we doing next? Right. You know, what is the next subject of our attention? Well, the creation which the Lord has, has made, that, that is a subject. Right. Um, the divine attributes which you find of God in his creation are a subject in and of themselves. Um, and there's no shortage then of things to learn out there, things to talk about, things to relate to, things to uh, just enjoy. Right. Um, I love that. You know what? I, I went out when I was with uh, kids in the woods. And again, I've spent a lot of my summers when I was younger out in the woods. Yeah. Just with people. 
because we were developing various out camping programs and I would just do that. And there were there were a lot of times that the activity itself was boring to me. Sure. You know, I mean, <clears throat> riding a horse all day, walking on the back of a horse all day, that wasn't the thrill, you know, for me. Sure. But I, I remember I would pray and I would look around and I'd say, okay, God, uh, reveal yourself today to me in your creation. You you made all this. I want to see you in it. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, just that challenge alone, every time I saw God in that, every time he would reveal something about himself or reveal something about me, or or I would just be awed by the, by the creative work of God. Do you think that our school children today have been robbed of uh, understanding who God is because of all the evolutionary hoopla that goes on? I cannot see how that would be a false statement at all. Yeah. I mean, how in the world, when, when I look at creation and I see its simplicity and its complexity, mm-hmm. I'm amazed. And and to know that it was created for me to enjoy. Yeah. It's a statement of love. I can't, I can't remember where I saw this. So uh, my apologies for uh, giving l- a lack of credit. Uh, but I saw this thing on the internet just the other day. It was um, this picture of this just gorgeous bird. I don't even know what kind of bird it was. Um, uh, but it was it was blue and white, um, and it was really simple. It just said, "God loves blue and white. He yeah. created it. Yeah. Evolution doesn't care about blue and white." Right. I. What a simple but absolutely gorgeous statement. Yeah. I think we try and complicate the truth, and in doing so, we ruin the truth. Yeah. There's no complication here. When, when you go back to the book of Genesis, and, of course, it starts in the beginning, God, not in the beginning, Dave, so we get that straight right from the beginning. But then you go into it, and you, you realize that God creates these things with mm-hmm. us in mind. And deliberately. Right. So all the, everything in creation was made for us to enjoy. Now you think about that, the creator and sustainer of the universe cares so much about you that he made all of this for you to enjoy and it's so intricate. So we were just talking off the air, um, you and I are talking about finding wild asparagus. Yeah. And, and it's like, man, whenever I pick something wild and eat it, I think, oh man, and this year, um, I've added cranberries to it from you and Joseph helped me find those and 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 we had a great wild raspberry year we had a great wild blackberry year mm-hmm. um, great wild blueberry year the wintergreen berries this year are now just that you gotta show too. me what they are because oh, I don't know what they are yet I've taken a couple of trips um, just up north too and man there's some spots I've just eaten handfuls of wintergreen berries at a time I, now I don't know what they are and if you are listening, one of the things you want to make sure is if you're ever going to get involved in any berry picking and eating, be with somebody who knows what they're talking about at first. Absolutely. not be- <laughs> Just because a berry is blue doesn't mean it's a blueberry. That's right. So be careful. And likewise, um, I still have not harvested mushrooms apart from morels because I'm, I don't feel confident that I'm not going to die when I eat one. So yeah. I, th- I think even people like myself who lived in the woods for 40 years, unless I want to really put an effort forth to really understand, um, be careful because it's not, not everything out there is meant to be consumed yeah. by humans. Wisconsin has like something crazy like 1,034 different 
species of mushrooms and the vast majority of them will either kill you or make you feel like you're dying. Right. Um, but that's not to say there aren't some great, uh, you know, great morels and pheasant backs and crown tip corals out there for you to enjoy too. You just got to right. know what you're looking at. Now, now just between you and me, Matthew, you have also found that you can mine in this area. Yes. You got to define mining a little well, bit. Well, let's define it a little bit. I mean, just for the fun of it. Uh, well, uh, so there is there is a history of mines in Wisconsin, of course, um, uh, just like further north or further south for that matter. I mean, uh, the southwestern part of the state, of course, had a long history of mining. And then the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, which we are closer to, has a long history of mining as well. Um, so we're on the Wolf River here, basically, than the Wolf River Basin. And uh, if you follow that north, Crandon, for example, has a an old mine there that sure. has been you know, largely under fire for desires to reopen. Um, right. Uh, but that shows, too, that it has a great um, opportunity for mineral there. Um, and those minerals extend outside of the mine, crazy enough. And so um, we've been doing a lot of fun things like panning for gold and stuff like that in the nearby streams of the Nicolay. And you don't, you don't find much, but, you know, even the smallest little speck of gold, is is fun. Me and Joseph, we say, you know, flower gold is still gold. Right. You know, just because there's not much of it doesn't mean it's not special. Right. You know, it's fun because you're out there and you're doing something for fun and it's something that God, you're discovering things and enjoying God's yeah. creation. And I, I can't help but think that God just smiles and thinks, you know what? I made that for you to enjoy. Thank you for enjoying it. And it's nice too, because the more time you spend out there, not only the more you learn, but also the more you realize that there is to learn. And the best part about being, you know, outdoorsy and stuff is that you're, I don't know, it's never, there's this, there's like always this itch to just continue to find new new things in creation and new things to do with it and in it. And So uh, you haven't run out of things to find. No, my my wife um, frequently tells me that I have um, uh, far too many hobbies, uh, right? And I think that that is simultaneously true and not true. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. People talk about eternity, and some have said, you know, eternity is probably going to be boring. Was and I'm thinking, you just you talked about how just walking in the woods is an endless adventure. Absolutely. Think about walking in eternity, and what God makes. And how he makes it and how, you know, once again, if everything that you see, you look at it through the lens of God being one that loves you and created it because he loves you and wants to give you a world like that, then all of a sudden everything takes on this tremendous significance. Absolutely. And you're missing that. As, as an old guy and a teacher, I used to just get upset when my students, the only way that they could use illustrations in life was from movies, television, whatever else might be out there. And, and many times I would tell them, why don't you go get a life? Why don't you go be the one that they would want to make? Go out there and do something. You're, you're, you're constantly watching other people do something, mm -hmm. but you're never doing anything. Yeah. Don't do that anymore. Go out and do something. And, you know, it takes a little bit of an effort. I understand that. Take people with you when you go, too. Yeah, go and, and do it and be with them out in the woods and, and look at what God has made. Read the, 
Are there are there favorite passages you go to if you read the Bible out in the woods ever? I mean, are there passages that come to your mind or you know, cruise through the Psalms. Right. You know? It's we talk about um you know, we talk about Romans, you know, one twenty and God's invisible attributes so being so self evident in creation, but you know, you look at um you look at the Psalms and so much of the Psalms is just referring to just the power and majesty of God through all of these different things, you know, from the roaring crash of the roaring seas to the, what the cedars of Lebanon. And it's just, it's amazing. And it's amazing to go out in nature too. And, you know, experience God's creation and experience His invisible attributes through his creation on your own and be able to then connect that to things like the Psalms and just be like, wow, Right. This is what they're talking about. Yeah. Like, I, you know, if if I'm Satan and and I'm not, but if I was, I certainly would want people number one to think that this world came into existence by accident. Yes. Because that takes away completely the specialness of the world and of the creation to man, and it it stops one of the great ways to reveal who God is. It stops that dead in its tracks. Because now everybody's an accidental blob of protoplasm. And, and I would suggest that if you honestly believe in the evolutionary story, that you also honestly believe that you are an accidental blob of protoplasm, and you also then actually act in accordance with being an accidental blob of protoplasm. And, and that's not healthy. No. No. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of a... Uh sinkhole of it is everything and starts there but then then it goes on beyond that so if satan can't get us by the idea well of science being taught as um you know everything just kind of accidentally happened then the next thing would be well then what i got to do is keep people away from it i got to keep people away from seeing the real thing yeah because the real thing will always point to god Mm mm-hmm and if it doesn't point to God, then you're not seeing the real thing. Right. So go out and see it. Go out and, and walk it. And, you know, for years, I, for about 50 years, I've been maintaining our cross-country ski trails. It's, um, it's an area, obviously, I know like the back of my hand. And I, I can tell you when every leaf is out of place, so, you know, on that trail. Yeah. But I'm telling you, it's, it's a sacred place. I, I ski it almost every day when there's snow. I know what's going on in the woods. I know what lives out there. I can, I can sit. I sit in my. I call it my sunroom, which is a uh, room that's heated with a, a wood stove, and, and then the, the other three seasons it doesn't need heat, obviously. And I can watch the sunrise while I I open the Bible on my lap, and I can watch the deer in the backyard, and mm-hmm. I can watch uh, the other animals come to life. And it's like God, you made all these. Yeah, you love me. You, you made them for me to enjoy. And they're so precious and they can be enjoyed in so many ways. We were talking about hunting, right? Um, right? And, um, you know, one of the, I think, I think it kind of confuses my wife at sometimes, um, but there'll be obviously up here, there's a, there's a lot of deer and they end up getting hit by vehicles and stuff like right. that. And every now and then, of course, you see a, a spotted fawn and just, dead on the side of the highway and that yep. i'll tell you like man it is 
gut wrenching at times. It's just, right. There was this um, there was the, these two fawns. Um, they, they were um, running circles around my house, playing in my playing in my driveway every single day, like clockwork around around lunchtime. Fun. Right. And uh, one day I'm coming home from work, and someone had just hit both of those fawns on the highway near my house. Oh man. And man, I could have just cried. Yeah. And I think I think my wife looks at that a little bit. And she's like, "Well, if they were older and didn't have spots, you would have shot them. So what's the right? What's the problem?" Um, but like I said, there there's not just one way that you enjoy these animals. Um, and while I certainly love eating them, um, I also just I love watching them and I love living in the same place of them. Yeah. Um, I just. You've described what respect looks like. Yes. And, and we respect what God's made, and we enjoy it. You know, one of the things I like to tell uh, dads, moms, uh, to really point out to their kids in nature is the cycle of life that's out there. For mm-hmm. example, there's nothing that's alive today that is alive apart from death nourishing it. And I said, you need to keep that in front of the, mm-hmm. the children. Why? Well, you go out in the woods. Like I grew up in Chicago. So in Chicago, you make sure that you don't have any leaves on your lawn, and your lawn's about the size of, you know, very small, 10 by 10. But you make sure there's nothing on it. It always looks perfect. Those but then you have important. to go out and buy fertilizer because you took all the fertilizer off of it, mm-hmm. so you have to go buy fertilizer. And what's interesting there is that God created a system where <laughs> death is necessary for life. Yeah. And then you go in the Bible, you realize the death of Jesus is necessary for my life. The death of an animal is necessary for me to live. The death of a cabbage plant is necessary for me to live. I don't eat as many of those. I don't, but the death of them is necessary. In fact, uh, you know, I challenge students from time to time and challenge them that if they can point out anything to me that is nutritious for you, actually keeps you alive, that didn't die, I'd like to see it. Yeah. And they realize there is nothing that apart from death, you go into the bottom of our lake, and I love the fish in our lake, and I love to eat those fish, but you go into the bottom of the lake and there's this muck layer of death. Mm-hmm. You pull it out and it smells like a muck layer of death. Yes. It's and, even worse when you get it in your boot. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, Well, I had an idea once, and, and my wife corrected me. I, was gonna, I thought, you know, this is organic stuff. And I'll bet you that it would uh, burn like coal because that's what coal is, only pressurized. Yeah. So I took some out and brought it home. I was going to dry it out and see if I could light it. It's the last time she lets you bring home stuff. Well, I'm telling you, she came out. She said, what is that smell? (laughs) And I thought, oops, it's just an experiment. What are you doing? And I told her, and she just rolled her eyes like, you are always doing something like this. Oh, I thought, can you imagine if we can make coal out of muck? I mean, uh, we be a household name. I I have uh, six jars in my fridge that I was trying. I got I got to them a little bit too late, uh, which is unfortunate. I got to try them with maybe a different tree or just earlier or something like that. But I I have six jars of a uh, uh, a sweet brine pickled pine cone in my fridge right now. My my wife had the same eye roll, I'm sure. So <laughs> and, and what are you doing? With, are you going to eat those? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I tried them. Um, all right, I'm up for it. I got to try one when you get yeah, done. Yeah, I, I, it was my first go at it, Dave. I got to I gotta get better. I didn't even so. know they were edible. Well, I mean, yeah, they're edible. 
I'd like them softer right now. But. Yeah, got it. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it, I think it's so, it, one of those vital pieces of conversation with young people is death brings life. That's the way God made it. Yeah. We respect life. We also understand the importance of death. And in the United States of America, that's something we avoid. Yeah. We don't like talking about death. Mm-hmm. But honestly, unless the Bible makes it very clear, unless I die to myself, I don't live. Right. And one day when I die, I will live. Yes, you will. I cannot get to that next state without dying. And even if the Lord comes first, the body dies. Not here. Gone. Yep. And all of the earth, the woods, the lake, it all lives and thrives because something died. Yep. Now that lesson alone for children, where they begin to understand there's a cycle and a, and a sense to this life. Otherwise, to many people, death doesn't make any sense at all. Right. And when God says something like, in order to live, you have to die, it's like, oh, that's crazy talk. Yeah. Well, I'm looking out at nature thinking, crazy talk? That's the only thing that keeps things alive. How can that be crazy talk? It sounds abstract, but it's one of the most tangible concepts ever. Absolutely. So that's the kind of thing I think that we're talking about, Matthew, out in the woods. Enjoy what the woods has to offer. If you're struggling with that and you live in northern Wisconsin, get a time where your family can come up to the Wolf River Refuge and talk. ask Matthew to just send you out on a path. Absolutely. And, and he'll send you out on your way and tell you to look for a few things or whatever it might be or show you where you can go walk on a bog with your children or do something. Absolutely. There's no shortage of things to do all season long. Anything from picking blueberries and blackberries and raspberries, like Dave said, to... Uh, looking for that wild asparagus, snowshoeing and seeing what you can find underneath the snow layer, looking at tracks of animals going through. There's, there's always something. Uh, yeah, like Dave said, we would love to have anyone there. Um, and I'm always game for talking about how we can get people outside and uh, building relationships out there, both with God and with each other. Yeah, one of my favorite things actually to do in spring or fall or even the summer sometimes, is to sit out. We have a fire ring in our backyard. Now, my house borders the National Forest, so I get an advantage. Yeah. But just listening to the owls. It's lovely. Yeah, I mean, if you've never done it, just listening to the owls or listening to the grouse. Yeah. When you're walking through the woods, they make a very distinct sound. They're drumming? Yeah. Now, I didn't know what that was for years. For years, I didn't know what that was. I thought... It sounded to me like a, a engine struggling to start. It does sound like that. And so I kept thinking, who's trying to start an engine? Out here. Yeah. And finally, somebody that lived up here said, Dave, that's a bird. And I thought, oh, am I stupid or what? But see, for years, and I thought, oh, God, that's pretty clever. I mean, God, you, you created this bird. And, you know, you can just sit out there and absorb the sounds and enjoy what God made because um, he's creative and he loves you. And if you don't hear anything else from us in this program today, understand that God made this world with you in mind, and he said it was good. Go out and see his love demonstrated to you through the physical world and enjoy God today in that sense. If you're having trouble doing that, let us help you. And uh, I'm Dave Wager. I'm with Matthew Schruck. He's with me here at the studios at silverbirchranch.org. You can go to Wolf River 
refuge.org and check out what he's doing and come up and visit us. Thank you for listening. We hope to talk to you real soon.